welcome to the Thatpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Oliveira. And today I have the pleasure of speaking to Wade Gulp. He is the founder and the creator of the three-day weekend entrepreneur. So, you know, in this podcast, we talk a lot about entrepreneurship and about really owning your time and having fun in life, having fun, but also creating wealth. Those, those are like kind of go hand in hand. And it's hard sometimes to, to find a balance. It's, it's sometimes it's one extreme or another. I found talking to Wade um, when we first met a few months back and having conversations and looking at his body of work that he, he's definitely found that equilibrium between his business, because he does have a business that's been around for decades uh, in the insurance business. But then he also is creating this community where he's helping other entrepreneurs realize that there is a different path. So welcome to the show, Wade. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. Uh, really great to be here. And I, and I love the focus of your show, because actually at, at times I've thought of changing the name of my show to the three-day weekend parentpreneur or dadpreneur because of all the different people I work with that resonate the most, or if I look at the people, I have this little set snapshot of different pictures of people who've said, Wade, working with you has made a huge difference for me. The majority of them are parents. Yeah. And, and maybe it's because they're more able to see it. Like, you know, we see it when our kids look at us and they're like, I want more of your time and we kind of notice that maybe we don't but hopefully we do so yeah there's there's such an overlap and I, and I saw what you're doing excited to have you on our show i think it's next week or the week after that that's right uh, to interview for that so yeah really uh, glad to be here and and really passionate about this work yeah no absolutely and i mean i think we're both examples of uh people who are not only run a day-to-day -day operations in their business but also have these other, I wouldn't call them side hustles, but they're, they're ventures that not only fulfill our, our need for growth and entrepreneurship, but in turn help a lot of people, right? That's really the goal. So, so let's like go back in time and let's think about Wade's first job and then we'll kind of build on that and you give us a background on you. What was your first job? Okay. So the very, very first job was, I think it was like three bucks an hour pulling weeds in the yard. <laughs> My parents, my parents from the islands. And so everything is a very grounded, very, um, very real, I guess, if you will, as far as doing things. And then from there, that grew to my lawn mowing empire. Everybody says, it's an empire. <laughs> I don't know, four people in the neighborhood or whatever. But the funny thing is, I think about the safety protocols now. I was nine years old with lawn mower, right. doing it myself, and weed whacker with the plastic-ish cord. And... Yeah one of the old style steel edgers where you where it's yeah. like like you know perpendicular to the ground and like the thing the blades exposed i mean there's this little thing but just think about it nine years old yeah just knocking stuff out got to make sure that stuff's straight and you just think about most of that stuff would not be allowed today but it was that and then in between they had a place called wholesale plus it was like a sam's or a costco and i remember when i went there once with my mom and i saw i could buy candy so i would sell Blow Pops, Jolly Ranchers, <laughs> Alexander the Grapes, um, Lemon Heads, that sort of stuff. I'd sell those in school. So I'd Man. come with my backpack, little dork, think, you know, at some point as an entrepreneur, you've had one of those sort of little hustles. Sure. And um, so, yeah, I was doing that in school and uh, just, just love the process of making my own money, kind of very Gary Vaynerchuk-ish, very Gary yeah. V-ish, like, sure. you know, just that excitement of, now, even if I didn't create it, because the candy, I didn't create the candy, but just like, right. okay, yeah, there's that. And I, I just made X percent and, and the brain like, okay, wow, I just made that off of that. And and uh, so, yeah, just just very involved in a lot of that stuff from from the get-go. Yeah, it's kind of that, that hustler mentality, right? And I find this in so many entrepreneurs that 
they all have these stories that they either started working early, like yourself, myself at nine, 10 years old. But then when they get into middle school and high school, they're selling candy, they're selling cards, comics, whatever, always trading like an old merchant two, 300 years ago. And I found that too, that um, I had that in common with many entrepreneurs was the the idea of selling and making something and doing something. And, and so certainly that makes it always interesting to the story. But um, so talk to me about the later years when you get out of college, what are you doing at that point, Wade? Sure. So real quick. So the, the pivot that happened in there, so I'm, I'm mowing lawns, 10, 11, 12, listen to my Def Leppard albums and, you know, I'm happy. I'm doing my thing. I'm, I'm free. Right. Yeah. And of course, at that time, I've got my bills paid parents, you know, parents are taking care of the bills, that sort of stuff. I've got for the most part time freedom. So I have the time freedom. I'm looking for money. Start getting, starts getting a little hot in the summers in Florida. And my dad just like, Hey, by the way, I, you know, I don't know if you've noticed that insurance agency I run, but they got AC there. It's mm. not so bad. And so he kind of did that thing was like, I'll pay you to get involved in this and that. And he wanted to make sure that I saw that. And he always told me residual income business. Mm-hmm. And in, they, in, their, in that industry, you, the word is renewals, renewal mm-hmm. business. And so at about 12, 13, I also started working in his office. Mm-hmm. And then through high school and whatnot, summers, uh, breaks, that sort of stuff, I would do that. So when I went into college, I was really balancing these two things. And it really was kind of almost both of my parents' influences. Mm-hmm. My father's an entrepreneur athlete, so I've always been an athlete in some form. And I was working on that entrepreneurship side. So I was working on my uh, just a bachelor's degree mm-hmm. in marketing. My mother has always been into spirituality, psychology, literature, that sort of stuff. So I thought I maybe want to be a psychologist or a teacher. So I was kind of playing with both of those. But my dad was, he still is, he's a state farm agent. And in specifically in Florida in the 80s, the in- whole insurance industry just was so huge and growing and blown up. That's also why when Hurricane Andrew hit it, that did like ease off. But so I was watching these entrepreneurs just doing so well, taking care of their clients, running good businesses. But I saw very quickly that lifestyle for them was a required part of the equation. And so going into college, even though I possibly could have studied to go more the corporate route uh, or, you know, MBA, that sort of stuff, Mm -hmm. I just kind of had this, like, I'd seen all my dad and some of his buddies that, and some of them would brag to me, they said, Wade, I'm not that smart, but I do these things and I have time for my family. And I was the kid that I was hanging out with their kids. We'd go on the cruises if the company, there was company rewards or different things like that. So going through college, I was still in essence, not as entrepreneurial as some of the kids are today, because it was really difficult to start a side hustle. Cause you know, if you had a job, there was moonlighting, you had to physically go to a place. You couldn't do things at least as easily, or at least that I was aware of, but definitely saw that vision and spent seven years working inside that company state farm awesome company awesome values great people got to a lot of different things but always wanted to own my own place and after so many years in the insurance industry did not actually want to run an insurance agency a lot of it because of the the government restrictions of what insurance could do in florida because just so much messes that had happened in the insurance industry but then also i just been doing that for literally over half my life i was like okay i want to do something that I'm not sure what it'll look like. And so after some bumps and bruises, started doing coaching and consulting still with a lot of people I'd worked with. And then off of one bit of information from one of them started a software company. And so 
while I had those six to seven years right out of college of working in a corporation, great relationships, I learned somewhere. Yes, I traded hours for dollars, but I mentored. I mean, I had to, have to learn something, I think, from somewhere and, and really got to see a lot of true business principles. And because of my father's uh, status in that company as, as one of the top agents of, of all time and, and me being able to get to work up at their corporate division and do software projects, I got exposed to so much and, and the, a lot of the right ways to do businesses, but I also got exposed to bureaucracy and realized that, no, I, I don't like being told what to do. Mm -hmm. And so I just always understood this basic concept of, that I was taught by my parents is, if you keep your expenses reasonable and you know what's most important to you, and I think a lot of this is out of that island influence of that, at least for a lot of them, that life comes before work, that you do those things. And yes, the job is important. It's so important for providing for your family. It's so important to do people right, mm -hmm. but, it doesn't have to be fancy, doesn't have to be flashy. And so, so yeah, I just got to enjoy learning from a lot of really talented people and just experimenting and all that while working on a master's degree in psychology, working on uh, personal growth, spiritual growth, different things. So I've always been, I guess you might say either restless, squirrel objects, or you know, shiny object, squirrel syndrome, mm -hmm. or divinely discontent, always looking to grow, whatever it was. But um, yeah, so always, always in the middle of something. Absolutely. When you go back to that time, Wade, working with your dad, I've worked, I worked with my mom and my dad and many family members. These days, I have my kids, especially my older one, work with me in the summers as well. Um, what, what, what did you get out of that? Because I, for me, it was so special. I mean, I can like countless things that I learned from working with my parents and I'm trying to pass it on to my son that to me makes me who I am. So talk to me about that, working with your dad. How, how did that kind of shape you? Oh, wow. There was a few things. Number one, it was a, I think a very healthy mental relationship. And, and this is a unique thing. So uh, on the soccer field, my dad and I yelled at each other back and forth. So that wasn't <laughs> a very healthy mental relationship because I thought I knew everything. Yeah. Um, and, and he's, and he's, he's a type A or he's like a uh, type awesome to the degree first fiberglass boat in Trinidad ever played water polo for them. So, you know, these two alphas, this little yes. the alpha, you know. <laughs> but in the business world, I really had the sense of, okay, I don't know what it was. Maybe actually it was probably my mother's grounding of like, dude, you're not that smart. Like mm -hmm. you're smart in school and that's great, but you're, you're intellectually smart. You're book smart, but you don't know squat about business. So shut up and listen to your father. It's like, okay. Mm, okay. And so I, but in, in, in a very clear way, but of, of, of like, dude, know something. And so learning from him, I gathered a lot of stuff informationally, but what was also great, which he was so good with, and he's always been good with is my dad's one of those guys before it was ever talked about that he got the idea that you want people that are smarter than you. And he's not, mm -hmm. he's not thrown by that. So intellectually, at least the stereotype or whatever, the my brain works, my dad is socially really intelligent and athletically intelligent. He's not the greatest CEO. I have a little bit more of that CEO mind. And so what was so cool too, is he was able to share and he was able to really appreciate me. And it wasn't BS. He was like, wow, you, you get that. How do you see that? How do you understand that? And so he would let me play in things and my mind would see connections mm -hmm. that were more mathematical and left-brained. And then he would connect it to the social and how that relates to the business. And so for me, and then just so many of his um, other friends that were like that, I guess I was that little dork kid that was learning different things with them. And then as it would turn out, my father was one of the top agents in the company. And so his uh, leadership guy happened to have his office nearby. And I'm the little 13 year old kid, the little dork on the computer on what word 
not not Q and A, the other one. Anyway, it wasn't Microsoft Word. It was before that. Right. And I'm typing stuff and I'm tracking what's working and, and what isn't working and their their process, their sales process, and the analytics. And I'm doing the analytics because they're like, well, you're the nerdy geek. Great, do the spreadsheets. At like when this was like DOS stuff, when you have to do slash to type in a formula. Yeah. And I wasn't doing anything too fancy, but again, just being so included in that, somebody could say, well, Wade, you know, the, the scores said you were gifted intellectually, so that's not a surprise. I was a social moron. So the ability to, and I compensated for that with athletics to fit in, and my dad helped me with that. So he would also help me with athletics. So being able to kind of pull together and then go into his world and be recognized by other, and I guess maybe it's a male thing, by other males, sometimes it was females, but other males was like, dude, you know your stuff. Like, wow, how did you know that? And that for me, from a confidence standpoint, which is so huge in entrepreneurship. And I always hear uh, the gentleman, the strategic coach, Dan Sullivan, talk about your confidence as an entrepreneur is your number one thing. You have to have your confidence. Mm -hmm. You got to guard that. You got to grow that. You got to protect that. Because if you don't have that, how do you operate? So having that, I just had, and I don't think it was, I don't think it was arrogance. There's other areas where I've been mm -hmm. arrogant or stupid or, you know, arrogance that was actually insecurity, like masked, if you will. In this particular arena, he would tell me, this is what you need to know to learn your stuff. And I would learn that stuff because I wanted to make sure that I was up to the task of whatever they were talking about. And so, you know, 15 years old or 14 years old, I knew what a paid up additions option rider on a whole life insurance policy was. Some people listening will know what that is. Most won't, and you might not care. But I had that level of depth, but I wanted to know. And he cultivated that so well. And again, what was so amazing from a father-son energy is my father didn't do phenomenally academically in school and wasn't recognized as being brilliant. And at times was told he was, you know, I'm, 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 I'm nicifying it here. He was told he wasn't that smart. He was told he was stupid by different people. So to be able to then still come in as a father and say, look, okay, I'm gonna put that aside. I don't need to compete with my son and prove to my son that I know more than he does, that I could, that he could come in and be like, dude, you're smart. You know this, you know that, that's awesome. I'm only even now as we're talking, fully appreciating, like- It's a beautiful thing. What he would be able to do to that. And even now at this exact moment thinking, and at what times he might've been like, wow, like, shoot, I don't have that. How, why does he have that? Like, and I don't even know. I'm going to have to, have to have to talk to him about that. But he was he was able to give that. And mm -hmm. if that's not love, I, I don't know what is. That is. And I mean, you can't learn that at university, right? And so as you're telling me that story, I'm sort of like picturing you at the office with dad. I can picture myself with my dad, with my mom. And I think you're absolutely right on as to what his goal was, was to give you the confidence and give you that permission to own any situation, which is for many, you know, first time entrepreneurs or that, that younger crowd, or, you know, sometimes you even meet some of the veteran ones who are still so type A and their ego so big, they can't, they can't be humble. Even when their employees are shining, they just can't, they, they've got to be the one right in, in the limelight. And what you learn over time is that you're, you, you have to give people permission to make mistakes and fail. And if you don't, they, they can't lead, right? And, and that's sort of, for me, was always the problem working with any large corporation was that, that you felt like, you know, there's a hundred people above you or to the side or in every direction. Whereas when you're, when you have a smaller company, a smaller business, you can just kind of come and go, which 
to me leads right into the three-day weekend entrepreneurship program that you have. Talk to us about that. And what's the, certainly that program doesn't fit in the world of Apple and Google and Tesla, because Elon Musk is very well known for working people to the bone, 100-hour work weeks, including himself. That to me is not at all the the definition of success or fun but hey go ahead and do that if that's what you want and i've been there too early in my career i did the 100 hour work weeks because i thought that, that was the way to grow and then as soon as i had kids it was like boom that's not the way to go alex so talk to me about your concept how did you come up with it and when did you change that in your life before you started to obviously pass that on to to other entrepreneurs Sure. So a few things around that. So I always, I saw the lifestyle my dad had. So in general, that was on my radar very early. I was on, mm -hmm. a, I remember once, this is so horrible to admit, um, for an essay for an English class, what do you want your life to be like and paint a picture and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm playing volleyball at the beach. My wife, who's an attorney, <laughs> makes all the money. She's there. And this is the funny part. And I'm taking care of the kids at the beach while I'm playing volleyball. Wow. Yeah, that Talk about awareness. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's what I was doing. But I, I had that on my radar. And when I left the corporate environment, I had wanted to, I said, hey, can I simply work four days and make the same hourly? Like, can you, can I work 80% of the time? And can I make 80% of the money? Because I was single, didn't need the extra money in any big way. And the answer was, Wade, we'd love to be able to have you do that. But it's a challenge because you know the environment we're in, and then we've got to justify why this person can't. And this, and I think just a lot of metrics weren't done as much then as they are today to where you couldn't prove, well, why is it that Johnny gets to do this and Eddie doesn't or whatever it might be? And so I said, okay, get it, and, and no big deal. And so when I started my business, that was one of the things I kind of had in mind, like, okay, I'm going to make sure I balance this. And from that, it still took me 22 years from when I – graduated college in total, or and then 15 years after I started my own business, to really nail it down to where I was consistently yeah. at least 80, 85% of the time or more, uh, having a four-day work week with a three-day weekend and that sort of stuff. And a lot of it was I never still made that choice. And by the way, this choice can be for people who are employees, entrepreneurs, freelancers, side hustlers, whatever, to say, look, at some point I made X dollars per hour, let's just say 10. And then I did well at my job and I assumed that I would make 11 or 12, that there'd be some growth in my income. And yet nowhere did I assume, well, there'll be some growth in my free time. We just, mm. it wasn't in a, a variable in the equation. Sure. Today, that's a variable in the equation. And the entire freelance economy that's blown up because of websites like Fiverr and online jobs, PH and Upwork, where you can work with freelancers around the world. People now, and, and, and that the freelance economy is all about results when it you is. hire a freelancer. Mm -hmm. And they are really pretty much, I, I consider freelancers entrepreneurs. A lot of them think they're their own thing. Like, no, if you're working for yourself and you have no net and you have no job and, and, and you don't have, it's not better to be a freelancer or an employee or an entrepreneur or whatever. They're just different ways of doing things, whatever works for you. But what that has allowed is then for people to say, okay, I need to get a certain result. And if I can keep my expenses low, and if I make X per hour, well, if I spend less, well, then I don't have to work as much. And it's not about trying to prove that you're a minimalist or not. Everybody's got their own version of what they want. 
but it definitely speaks to not buying stuff that's not important to you. And it right. certainly speaks to that person that says, look, I'm in this job. I hate. I'm stuck in it. Why are you stuck in it? Golden handcuffs, Wade. Mm-hmm. I'm making 200000 a year. I hate my job. So I party on the weekends, spend it all uh, and between my house and my this and my that. So wait, so five years from now, you're not going to, I mean, you're going to put away half a million, like 100000 year. No, wait, I'm going to party all of it. So, okay, but how is that helping you? Because now five years from now, you're still in the same place. You have mm-hmm. not put aside money. You've not done, you've not changed careers, whatever. Whereas now, post-pandemic and companies looking to save money and be more efficient, more effective, any of the ones that are in the conversation understand what's going on are saying, look, I want results. And I've always said as an employer, because I've employed people before and I coach people with their insurance agencies and their companies, I don't want your fifth day of the week. My fifth day of the week sucks. My name is on the door. Why would yours be great? It's not going to be great. And even in the businesses where I work, most team members would love to have a four-day workweek-ish type situation. So 32 hours to be precise, like, you know, as opposed to like, you know, 40 and uh, four by 10. Right. The ones that don't, if they're offered, they'll usually say, well, I haven't yet figured out how to make up that money. And so if they're in a situation where maybe they have, let's say, salary plus commission, maybe they can do that. But if they're an entrepreneur, you just say, okay, I just need to be able to get a certain number of results done. And isn't it probably true that of my, let's say it's 40 hours in a week, Am I really productive all 40 of them? No, you're not. And so it becomes this sense of saying, what would I do with my Friday? And I'm going to use that as the anchor day. Let's say that third day. What would I do with my Friday? Assuming I have Saturday and Sunday, what would I do on that Friday that would be awesome? That would be like that three-day weekend when you're planning to go somewhere and magically you finish your work on Thursday because it's it's important enough. Well, if your Friday's not important, if you have nothing scheduled on Friday, when Friday rolls around, you'll say, well, don't have anything going on. Everybody else seems to be at work. So I guess I'll just go to the office or in, whether that's physically or virtually, as opposed mm-hmm. to, no, I'm doing this thing today. I've anchored this. This is important, whether it's with my wife, whether it's with my kids, whether it's, and in my case, I found, I love playing beach volleyball. That's one of my sports anchors. It keeps me sane. I'm a jackass when I'm not doing it on a regular basis. And so for me, Friday is that day. Mm-hmm. And that I'll go to the beach from eight to sometimes three or four and play and hang out. And I, I'll get to do my thing. My wife gets to do what she does. That's She's right. beaten me. She works three days a week. So of course she learns and, and takes notes. <laughs> and there we go. Um, but no, we're, we're also, you know, she, where our kids are 16 and 13. So she's doing that little bit of part-time work and whatnot. But then on Thursdays, she and I go to the beach for a walk and get lunch, usually for a few hours. So those things are more important to me, not than, well, actually, no, they are, they are more, they're definitely more important than my work or any one client or any one project. And plus I can move my work around. So having that sense for me is the first place that people usually start for as the Mm -hmm. entrepreneur. But once you realize you say, I want anybody that works for me to have that same thing too. I don't want them jealous of me. I don't want them mad that I get to do these things. I don't want them thinking, oh, what's well, Friday? He's out of the office. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be on social media all day because what's he doing? I want them to see where they can earn and get results and get out of the office and enjoy their family. So that after at least for me, after three-day weekends, I am ready to come to the office on Monday. Right. I'm yeah. ready to do it. I'm excited to do it. And I'm and every Thursday is this almost a little bit of a mad rush at times of okay. I got to get this done, but oh, what else can I still sneak in before? Because I'm because I'm not going to touch work for three more days, 
And so at least for me, now everybody might have their own, you know, five days, two days, three days, four days, four days, three mm-hmm. days, whatever it is. But for me, that still allows me to get in a good 30, 35 hours, which is kind of my sweet spot of what I like to do. But lots of time, uh, and going back to your comment about companies, I just think more and more people are realizing it's always been about results. It's never been about anything other than that. And so there's not, a, a, a 32 hours is not better than 40 hours. The question is, what is the amount of time that's going to get the best results, the best productivity, and over time, from a staffing standpoint, the happiest team members with the lowest turnover? Well, if they work a four-day work week, would you rather have? I'd like I'd rather have five people working four days a week. Mm-hmm. They're never going to leave me because then I can grow my business. Whereas if every time somebody's getting burned out, I got to replace them. Oh my God, you know this, Alex. I got to spend the next six months hiring a couple people that don't work out, training the new person all this work, getting some gray hairs, losing some time, so I can be exactly where I was a year ago, that sucks. Right. That just so sucks. So for me, I'd rather find a way to keep people in the long run and, and find a way for it to work. And everybody does have their different things. Some people say, no, I don't want to work a four-day work week. I want mm-hmm. my 40 to 50 hours. No problem. So there's, like you said, with, with the Elon Musk thing, there's not a judgment thing. And I would even venture to say, that if he was working with a company and if he gets the results, he, he wouldn't particularly care. He would just say, right. great, give me the result. And as long as the result is worth the income uh, and that's where things become real. And I think that is also one of those things of, do you want to be an entrepreneur or not? If you're willing to take what comes with that, the pros and the cons and great. And if you're not, then maybe at this time of your life, it's better to be you know, an employee. Yeah. And I think that's what that that's what it comes down to for a lot of these big companies or people like Elon Musk is that when you talk to I, I've got one client that has about 400 employees. And when we talk about him doing it, this system, I said, look, I've talked to some of your employees who want to do the homeschool thing because they'll talk to me and to a couple of people in our company who actually homeschool their kids, too. And they'll say, well, that would never be possible unless I was able to work from home and only work four days a week. And he says his argument to it is sort of the same as many of the the billionaires out there, which is, listen, if I give my employees too much time, they're going to go start a side hustle and it will actually be counter to what I'm trying to do, which is to give them uh, time to enjoy life. But and, and I get what they're saying, because America here in America, it's like the ultra capitalist sort of system that exists in the world. And when I look at Brazil or Europe or other countries, if you gave people six days off, they still would would use all that time to just have fun. They wouldn't even think about work. You see what I'm saying? Whereas here in the US, a lot of people, the way we are trained is to be competitive and always be chasing and growing, which is not a bad thing. Because when I talk to my family down in Brazil and clients in Europe, it's neither right or wrong. It's just the fact that as a society here in America, less people fit your profile and my profile where it's like fun and family first and then work then the the latter which is i i just got to keep growing and growing and i have to leave a legacy and i think that's the misconception is that you can't do both and then when you talk to some of these leaders who are like hey i can't give my employees 3 days off because if i give them 3 days off before you know it, they they may build a company that is eventually my competitor. And I think that's a horrible argument, but it is an argument that that I hear. Well, you know, it's interesting. I would invite those, anybody that has that perspective, I would invite them to consider the profiles of their 
employees. So even mm-hmm. just going off of a basic concept, and I'm going to I'm going to overgeneralize here. I'm just going to say you're non-entrepreneurial types and you're entrepreneurial types. Mm-hmm. Non-entrepreneurial types are the types that are going to stay at a job for 20 to 30 to 40 to 50 years. Mm-hmm. They have zero desire. They just they're the type that say and they're not weaker people. They have different priorities. They say, "You know what? When 501 hits, I want to be done." Yep. They're not going anywhere anyway. Right? That's right. So that's, that's, that's philosophically, that's half of them that they're going nowhere, but they might get burned out. And especially in today's world, they will go somewhere that has a four day job in a heartbeat. Many of Agreed. them, there's so yeah. much out. And by the way, the other half, they're coming after you anyway. The entrepreneurs are, <laughs> right. you, can, you can't keep me, you can't put baby in the corner. You can't put me in a job forever. <laughs> You're not, it's not going to happen. So, yeah, so if they don't have that growth, they're going to go somewhere. They don't have it. And, yep. and for a lot of people that extra day, it all, you know, it depends. And of course, a lot of it's abundance and scarcity. And you say, okay, well, if that's your take, and granted, there's some evidence to show that, okay, so I'm a Gen Xer, I'm 50. That's a very old, stodgy, and I'm going to say it's, it's an old, stodgy white guy view of the world. Yeah, that it is. That power and control and what, what, what happens if, and it's like, dude, there are so many people and not all white people are all stodgy white guys. No. I'm, I'm a white guy. It's not, but my point is that it's so like fearful. It's so control and power as if power and control is better as if more is better. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't want, you know, the people I think of Tim Ferriss's book, the four hour work where he talks about his friends that have multiple properties around the world. And he says, they say it's a pain in the butt. They're paying all this money to have all these properties and all these people so that their staff can live in them. And they're like, I get to use them once in a while. And I'm the one. So more is not always better. Mm-hmm. And again, it, it, your, your experience of life. But I just find that especially today, if you're looking for the best talent, I get this question a lot from small business owners say, wait, where are all the good on employees at the, these millennials? They're just, they're just, they're just lazy. I said, no, what's happening is if you do a cross section, the 20% of most entrepreneurial um, people of my generation, mm-hmm. we were willing to work in a small business to then ascend or to work in a corporation and then ascend. The most entrepreneurial 20% of their generation, they're digital nomads. They're not working for anybody. They're working for themselves and their lifestyles. So they're not even applying. They're not on Indeed. They don't care. Indeed, who cares? They're doing their own thing. So you never even get a chance to talk to that group. Mm -hmm. And then there's the next group. And these are the people I call these the disillusioned ping pong players. These are the ones that thought that they went to any workplace that had a ping pong table at it. Everything was going to be awesome. And then they realized, oh, wait, no, this is just a really 80 hour job, you know, 80 hour week job with a ping pong. I can't even get to the ping pong table, man. So just because there was a ping pong table didn't mean I didn't have Mm -hmm. to work. It just looked like something different. And of that group, Many of them are still looking for work-life balance because their parents, the now 60-something-year-olds, are the ones, and this is a very specific investment thing, but it's relative, the people who are in their late 70s and even mid-70s are the ones that they went with a company in the U.S., they stayed with that company, they got what's called defined benefit retirements. That means their benefits are guaranteed. They're getting X amount for the rest of their life. I live in Naples, Florida, a lot of them around here. They live as if they were business owners because they got a guaranteed amount. Not all of them were CEOs, not all of them were execs, but they got it guaranteed. Five to seven years behind them is the group where investing changed in this company. They said, oh, you know what? We're going to do this defined contribution plan where you decide your 401k, you put in as much as you want, but we're not guaranteeing you the amounts. Now I'm not 
doing a moral judgment. There's a lot of reasons why sometimes it's because you can't guarantee stuff. But long story mm -hmm. short, at that same time, not that there's cause, although there is some connection there, those are also the people that were told, oh, yeah, well, you know, your retirement was coming up or you're, you're investing in two, three years. Sorry about that. Bye bye. So the millennials are their kids. And the millennials are like, I watched my parent work till 60 something waiting for their that golden retirement. And they're still especially what's going on with interest rates. They're now I'll never retire, never be able to. But now they're in their 60s and they missed out. They gave up their youth for something that never even showed up. And even the ones that have the defined mm -hmm. plans are like, well, yeah, why wouldn't I take more time now? Why wouldn't you enjoy your 30 year old body and what it can do? rather than wait till you're 65 to enjoy what your body can do. It's in case you haven't figured out if you're in your thirties, it can do less. I'm at 50. It's, it's decreasing. Yeah, no. And I, and I see it, Wade, exactly what you just, the, the way you broke down the different um, generations there when my wife and, and I and the kids, we go RVing and we usually go once a month. Uh, the, the, the most we wait is maybe six weeks and then we're out there for like a week, right? So our schedule is a little bit different, but in the end, we get as much time off as we want. And typically we're the only family in a weekday, not on, uh, you know, summertime or spring break that's out at these parks. And mostly everyone is 70 and older. And we get this question all the time. What are you doing here with your four kids? Are you, are you like from another country? What, what's, what's happening? And we kind of, you know, share with them a little bit of what we do. And they say, wow, your business must be like, you know, huge. Cause you have all, I said, no, it's not. I have a small business. It does well. It, it's still growing, always growing. I'm always going to growth mode, but I don't, kill myself. And here's news to you guys, my employees and my contractors and freelancers are also not killing themselves. Everyone that works with me for me has a very similar sort of uh, uh, lifestyle and profile. And the ones that don't are not looking for that, they're usually not a good fit for me anyways, right? Because they have to kind of move to the way we move with our clients. And there isn't like, we don't live in a box. And, and, and what I say is like, sometimes you have to, there's some, some trade-offs. I mean, if a client touches, you know, reaches out to me or anybody else in our team in on a weekend day, it's not like we can't pick up the phone and call them and solve their problems. We can, and everyone has permission to do that. But back to what you were saying, for some people, if they're just a nine to five, they're going to say, well, I don't want to do that. I, you know, I, I don't want to be answering the phones on the weekend, even if it is just once a year, because often it is literally once a year. So it isn't like it's a it's a big deal. But I think you're right. I mean, I think that the generations that, that are out there today, when you look at the work from home movement and everything that is happening with this reshuffle, we don't have an exact map of what it's going to look like. But I think the system that you're creating and the community that you're sort of building here is is one that I could see a lot of people, you know, getting into and saying, oh my God, so I could have a business and have fun and put family first. Great. So so talk uh, talk to us about that community, Wade. Sure. T tell us, tell us what you do when someone comes on there. And I'm sure you have courses, you have videos and all of that. Sure. So we have a community called Three Day Weekend Club. And as it suggests, it is, it's a group of people and there's a virtual space. So there's an online membership platform where people can come in and there's a few uh, courses in there that are free because they mm -hmm. are uh, a, to get people started. And for example, there's a, this concept called creating your game plan. 
So in about 20 to 30 minutes, you can create maybe an hour. Well, in 20 minutes, you can listen to the content. So let's call it an hour that you can create your overarching game plan. This is what I was missing 20 something years ago. Just at least something that would have said, okay, here's just kind of a sketch of how it's possible. So like most people understand the stereotypical American dream game plan. Okay, uh, go to school, get a degree, make some money, make some more money, get a down payment. Like there, there's this narrative of what it can look like. And so self-fulfilling prophecy, however you want to word it, it's, it, it happens rather frequently. And this is just a simple one of saying, okay, somewhere between starting to make income and riding off into the sunset and retiring, there's this sense of, okay, well, once I meet enough amount of income to, to pay my basics, rather than me going ahead and spending more, I'm going to work less and learn how to spend like to where I can live off of less. So now I'm working less hours to work the same amount. And so that's what the game plan is just to kind of even see what could that look like. And the only thing that's really different in that, but for an employee versus an entrepreneur or freelancer is what is that source of income? But the majority of it is it's, it's living within your means is the second part. And the first part is what's so important to you that you put first, what is more important to you than work, family, friends, hobbies, relationships. And yes, make sure those come first, because when you look at your life and you say, you know, what are the most important positive experiences in my life? Whenever we have people do an exercise that relates to that over 80, usually over 90% of that is stuff that happened outside of work. Mm -hmm. And so if that's truly life, if life, nothing against work, love work, love what you and I are doing right here. But if most of what happened magically is outside of work, and if that's really life, then if we get more free time, don't we get more life, even though we don't get more maybe years? Sure. So that's where it starts. And then from there, we have a course specifically for employees the, that's focused on how an employee can create a situation where they're creating so much value for the person they work for, where they can then put themselves in a position to start negotiating hey, how do I do this? And if they can't, then they can, and especially now, they can go find other companies where that's doable. And then from an entrepreneur standpoint, uh, everything from a more uh, sort of gradual progress uh, to make it happen to a 12-week program called Three Day Weekends in uh, Three Months, where in 12 weeks, you're making that happen. And that's for that person that is making, let's say, at least 80 to 90% of what they need to make. Mm -hmm. And they're just overworking or they want to get their priorities straight, or they even get this basic concept that I learned watching my dad and his friends, which is that when your kids leave the nest, you're gonna have even more free time. If you're in a knowledge and information economy, you're gonna be worth even more. And about five to 10 to 15 years after they're gone, you're gonna have this thing called an estate tax, wait for it, problem. You're gonna be worth too much money. Are you flipping kidding me? I didn't have time for my kids when I was young. When they were young, I worked mm. my tail off, just like the song Cats in the Cradle. I was ready to hang out with them when they're in high school. They're gone, and now I have more money not to do with. Whereas if I had just said, you know what, if I can cash flow, if I can pay my expenses and enjoy the life experiences that I will never be able to get again in that sort of way, even if you have kids later, you're just going to be really tired. I've watched people do it. <laughs> I'm not against that, but you know, it's you just there's things you can't get. So setting yourself up again, whether you're an employer, or an entrepreneur, or whatever in between, side hustler, working on uh, starting something to be able to put those first things first. And this is where, at least for me, you know, having experiences with clients over the years, where one particular client had said to me, Wade, you know what, we were just working on his business. And this was, mm -hmm. this was sort of like my first client um, that helped me get this concept where he said, you know, Wade, I haven't spent as much time with my son as I would have liked to. He's in high school, and I'm now kind of freeing up time. 
I've just so been obsessed with my role as a provider. My son loves me. I know he knows I love him. He says, but I, I kind of missed out. I said, well, hey, he's in college, you know, plan some stuff on his, you know, I don't know, on his on his time off. And maybe and they went and did one of those things like at NASCAR in Daytona. They went and drove NASCARs nice. and that sort of stuff. So I speak with him six months later. We're looking at his financials agency. He says, wait, it was awesome. We had fun. Thank you so much for thinking of that. I'm like, sure. So he said, you know, had some more conversation. We have these other things planned. We'll talk again in six months. Well, I never got to talk to him again. He suffered, unfortunately, a heart attack in his mid-50s. Oh, wow. um, and I just think of you know, what happened if his son never even got that time with him. Right. And life is short. And so that was the first person I sort of witnessed that with. And then in my particular journey, there were two other people, ironically, at the exact same time when I was trying, I'd been trying to figure this out and I still couldn't figure it. One of them was one of my beach volleyball buddies. And he said, Wade, you need to be here every Friday. I said, why? And this is from Larry. Larry has since passed a couple of years ago, but Larry's an artist, uh, brilliant artist. Uh, he's from Chicago, uh, realist too, did furniture, all these different things, talented, just awesome human beings. Like you need to be here every Friday because life is short. And then at the same time, I was being coached by a coach from South Africa who'd heard me just once on a podcast and said, I want to coach you. I'm like, well, yeah, everybody wants to coach somebody and get money. He's like, no, no, you, whatever results you get, I just want 10% of the increase in income and I want to work with you. So great. At the same time, he says to me, he says, wait, if you're, if you're dabbling with this idea of helping people work this four day work week and have a three day weekend lifestyle, you can't be doing it for half of the year. And then when your busy season for your software comes around that you make an excuse why you can't, it's like either do it or don't do it. Right. And he said, he said, by the way, and this was his, his sales pitch. I love this. He's Wade, because he he does, he's a Gallup Strengths Finder coach, like the, mm -hmm. the Clifton Strengths Finder sure. and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And he said, Wade, here's the deal. He says, according to the, the polls, over 80 to 90% of people don't love their work and depend on how you define that. And, and as you know, Wade, less than 10% of people in the US have you know, work less than 40 hours a week. He says, do you ever meet somebody? I'm, I'm going to make the words nicer because this I, I, I try to make sure we don't have to put that E next to our episodes unless it's necessary. <laughs> he says, do you know anybody who has a poopy life? And he used a different yeah. word uh, that has a lot of money. I said, I know a lot of people. He says, yeah, wait, he says, here's your sales pitch. Do you have a poopy life and make a lot of money? I can help you not have a poopy life. He says, that's your sales pitch. That's the whole deal. And in some ways for the person says, oh, what's it cost? First of all, just you can just figure it out. Just put first things first, what's most important. You don't have to take a course to do it. Mm -hmm. But sometimes if you're one of those people that says, you know what, in the past, you know, it's helped me. If you're the person that drops 10,000 on a course and does nothing with it, then no, no coach can help you. If you're the person though that says, oh, the guy's got a course and a book, I'll read the book and I'll implement some stuff. And then maybe off of that, I'll do this little piece. Like if you're willing to do the work, it's not very difficult. The same way at some point you got to raise. Have you made more than 20% or 25% in your lifetime increase from where you started? Yeah. So if you have, if you were if you were living at the same income level, you could be working four days. So now the next time, just carry that forward. If you say, wait, right now because of kids and college and this and that, okay. And then even then we go into the conversation of what do we want to teach our kids about college mm -hmm. and college prices? Do we just say, well, I'm just going to throw it all out there for you and you go wherever you want? Or do we say, hey, let's think about the realistic implications of the finances and this is a good investment. And I'd love to spend money for you to go drink beer somewhere and hang out for four years. And if I have it, I will do it in a heartbeat, but I'm not going to give up your childhood and me being with you so that I can later write a check to prove to you how much I love you. Mm -hmm. And that's that to me is the, God, I don't want to be judgmental. It's the saddest thing I see sometimes because as men, we're told that sometimes that just be that provider mm -hmm. as if our kids are, aren't going to miss out on dad. 
Yeah. A check can't replace that. And even and even if you're doing it nobly, your kids would rather have your time most time. Now, there's a certain point, as you know, where you have enough of your kids' time. They're like, no, dad, I'm good, man. <laughs> Go make some money. But if you've not reached that point, you can always make so much more money later. That's a number on a piece of paper. You can get life insurance. If you die prematurely, you can get disability insurance, which you should have both of those anyway, in case you're unable to work. But if you're going to just be making money and have it later, why not have the time with your kids, with your spouse or your partner, whatever your situation is, you know, while you can. I love what you're, you know, the message that you're spreading, because I think it's going to take a lot of wades out there to convince both sides, both the employers, as well as the you know, everyday worker who is afraid to to go after this because, well, they're probably just going to say, call Wade, boss. Wade's the one trying to convince me to go this way. And the boss is saying, no, Wade, what are you doing? We like to keep up. So, you know, I, I don't know what percentage of people and when it will happen that this big sort of shift. But I think that for if you if you really study it like you have, it's it's already here. When you look at Upwork, when you look at Fiverr, when you look at all these different platforms, Uber, Airbnb, it's here. And there are millions of people who are doing it already. It's just that it, it's not in the best interest of publicly traded companies and the leaders to, to let the, you know, the cat out of the bag. And I think you're doing a great job giving people a framework of how to do it. Of course, you need some coaching. You need to learn some systems. So you know, people like you and I, we've gone down the road, made those mistakes. We can teach people like, hey, don't do this. We did that. And you have to be aware of all these other aspects of business and life that kind of intertwine like finances, right? Yeah. So, and just to give you one quick thing on that. So one of my friends who's an entrepreneur, I asked him, I said, one day, I said, look, because he told me, he said, Wade, I'm now working less because I've just watched your influence. So tell me this, if your employees could get you five days worth of results in four days, would you pay them for those five days worth of results? He said, Wade, if humans were robots, yes. He says, but humans are inconsistent. He said, how about this? If they can get me six days worth of results, I'll let them work four. So in other words, his concept was, if there's something in it for me, and it doesn't have to be exactly six days, but the concept was, so if you're going to your employer with the concept of saying, if I can give you more, but more, more, hi, more, would you then care how many hours I worked? And for most people, the answer is no, I right. wouldn't. That's right. And and if you can then justify to the rest of the team why, so that's and that's really at the core of it. If you can prove it and have other results, then when the other employees say, "Why can't I get it?" the employer can say, "Go get six days worth of results, no problem." Yeah. So yeah, so it, there it can be done in a way that works for everybody. And I don't think employers owe it to their employees. I think a lot of people. I'm not in that camp. There's, there's mm -hmm. math. You need to make a certain amount of money to to pay the bills. Um, I believe in transparency and I don't believe in the CEO making 10 million while the workers make 25,000 are being told that they can't be paid. That's a, again, that's a different conversation. Uh, but yeah, there, there's a lot that can come in with information. It's coming together. Uh, it's coming together pretty quickly. I think on that comparatively. Absolutely. Well, it's been great talking to you today, Wade. And I think, you know, as, uh, um, we get out of COVID this post pandemic, there's lots to be optimistic about. I think even though the Ukraine crisis going on the war there, there's lots of tough things that we have to deal with on a daily basis, personal and business life. But I think the stuff that you're doing with the podcast that you've got, the community that you're building there, it's it's going to give a lot of people hope. And so we we look forward to seeing what you do and what what floral shirts you continue to wear with your, you know, very Florida-like uh, self on, on, on the YouTube channel. Just for you guys that are not watching, go to uh, Wade's YouTube channel. You'll see he's got all these different floral shirts. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Thank you. I really enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed our conversation. Like I said, looking forward to having you on the show and looking forward to having most people see that. Yeah, it's, it's, it can be a little scary and, you know, just, you know, person to person, be a little, you know, man to man to those dads out there thinking, gosh, can I do this? Talk with your spouse, your partner, whether you're together or not, whatever the situation is, at least open the conversation, you know? And if you're not sure if your kids are missing out, say, Hey, you know what? Would you like me more in your life or do you feel like things are missing out mm-hmm. because again um it's it's worth the work it'll be worth the work more than probably anything you've ever done and so what's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you wade absolutely you can go to threedaywekendclub.com and that is where the podcast is and there's a place to contact me there and then also if you want to check out the books i have on parenting finances spirituality business you can go to wade galt dot com w-a-d-e-g-a-l-t dot com perfect thank you wade thank you my friend